Let's open our Bibles this morning, Luke chapter number 3, as we continue uh, through the gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter number 3. We'll begin reading in verse number 3 this morning, Luke chapter number 3. We'll begin reading in verse number 3. You can follow along. Um, if you don't have your Bible, we should have the scriptures on the screen this morning. Luke chapter number 3, verse number 3. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up unto children of Abraham. Verse 9. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And he answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also the publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed unto you. The soldiers likewise demanded him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Let us pray this morning. Father, we do thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we do thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you, as Eric just saying, Lord, that we can bring it to the table. We can bring it to the altar. There's nothing that you haven't seen before. Lord, we thank you that you're a God of forgiveness. You're a God of reconciliation. You're a life-changing God. Lord, I pray as we preach and teach this text this morning, I pray that you grow each one of us. Lord, as we look at it, Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, start with me this morning. In your precious and your holy name we pray. Amen. Eighteen years have passed since the last text that we studied. So going from chapter number two to chapter number three, 18 years have passed. So if you remember, uh, as we studied Luke chapter number one and two, Jesus was born, and then real quickly, 12 years passed. Now we're finding ourselves 18 years later. John the Baptist and Jesus, 18 years later. Now it's interesting that for 30 years it seems as if John the Baptist, after being born since he's been a young man, has been living in the wilderness. Jesus has been living in obscurity in that little town called Nazareth. We find them at 30 years of age. These 18 years have passed. They're getting ready to start their public ministry. John the Baptist, that wild-eyed preacher um, that many didn't like, wasn't accepted into society, would have looked a little different, had lived almost like this nomad in the wilderness, comes on the scene and he begins his earthly ministry. We're going to see next week as Jesus begins his earthly ministry. Man, John the Baptist starts out by coming, and as you're going to see in here, he came and he was a loud mouth. He starts right off the bat calling them snakes, okay? 
This wasn't that feel-good message. He's putting the Pharisees in their place. Man, he's really, he's, and they didn't like him already because he didn't look the part. He wasn't like them, and he's already, he ends up, just in a few chapters we're going to see, he starts out his ministry, he ministers for a little bit, and then he ends up getting his head chopped off. Man, this one that had been promised to Zacharias and Elizabeth. And then Jesus comes on the scene and begins his earthly ministry. And he begins to do some things that nobody had ever seen before. He begins to touch the blinded eye and they're healed. Man, they, he, he, he ends up raising some dead. Man, he's doing all kinds of miracles showing and proving his, uh, yes, his humanity, but his deity. And then he ends up just three years later from our text being hung on a cross, dying a common criminal's death. Okay, so these are the two men that we're going to begin to see their ministries in the next few texts. But the first one here is John the Baptist. He comes on the scene, 18 years. We don't know anything about them besides Jesus was in Nazareth. John the Baptist was in the wilderness. Man, the public ministry of these two who had been prophesied about, man, it's beginning to be fulfilled. In verse number one, it gives us the historical setting of where we are. And Luke, being that physician, man, he's very detailed as as far as the timeline. He says it's in the 15 year uh, of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman Empire. Uh, Pilate is that governor over Judea. Herod is ruling in Galilee. And Philip is ruling. It's interesting that every single one of these rulers during this time, listen, these dudes were all known, every one of them, for their cruelty for their persecution. These were bad times to be alive if you were a peasant, okay? I mean, they would, people were being killed. People were being tortured. If they didn't like what you were doing, listen, it was going to be a major problem. Pilate was known, known for being anti-Semitic. He would really, he would persecute the Jews. Herod, the greats family, Herod, Philip, and Licinius here, all known as cruel Leaders. Verse number two, Ananias and Cephas are the high priests. They're both known in their priestly ministry for their corruption. So the scene here is Jesus and John the Baptist begin their ministries. Man, it's one of religious and political corruptness. As John stated in Luke chapter number one, verse number 80, he's been in the wilderness since he was young. And here in our text, God's word comes to him. God sends a message to him. Look at verse number three. You got your Bibles? Look at it. Verse three. Verse number three says this, and he came into all the country about Jordan. That's referring to the Jordan River. And he's preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. So what John's doing here is this. He goes from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, and he's preaching. And this is the beginning of the fulfillment of prophecy that would be that John the Baptist would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He would be the one who would begin to prepare the way. So what is he preaching? Man, this new preacher's on the scene. What is he preaching? He's, he's preaching this, that those who have repented of their sins should be baptized to show that they've turned from their sin and to God, and they've been forgiven. It is very clear, and we're going to see this in the next couple weeks, as John and Jesus are baptizing, they are baptizing by immersion. Now look at verse number 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. And the, all flesh shall see the salvation 
of God. So this is a direct quote from the book of Isaiah. This is that prophecy that's being fulfilled. One of the reasons we can count on the word of God being the word of God. We could go through it. We go through prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in the New Testament. We could go to prophecies in the New Testament that's even been fulfilled in our day. Man, scripture, we can count on it. And that's what's happening here. Man, the word of God is being fulfilled. Isaiah 40 said this, and stay with me. We're going somewhere with this. The voice, this is Isaiah 40, the prophet Isaiah prophesying about what's happening here. The voice of him that crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That is the prophecy we're being fulfilled. So let's see this sermon that John's about to preach. Look at verse number 7. Then he said to the multitudes... That came forth to be baptized. So he's preaching on both sides of the Jordan River. Multitudes are beginning to come. And look how he starts out this sermon. He doesn't say, hey, welcome. You look so nice today. And it's so good to see you. Okay? John didn't have a connections and welcome team. Okay, waiting for people to make them feel good. Look what he says to them right off the bat. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath of God. So how does he start out his sermon? Man, he, this is pretty tough. He starts out by calling them vipers and snakes. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourself. So this tells us who he's talking to. He's preaching to some Jews here. Because look what he says. Be, begin not to say within yourselves. We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, he really, y'all got to understand, this was very disrespectful what he was saying to them. Look, look at this. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children of Abraham. So the Jews believed, and you'll see this in Romans. If you study Romans chapter number 2, Paul really proves that the, 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 that the religious or that the Jew is guilty before God. But what John is saying to him, them here is, listen, you think because you're a Jew that you got it all together and that you're okay. This is, this is what he says to them. Listen, if God wanted to, he could make these stones. He could make these stones children of Abraham. This is what John is beginning to say here. and You're going to see this through the New Testament, this message. It is not enough for you to have a label or a lineage. Paul says that in Romans chapter number 2, Behold, thou art called a Jew and resteth in the law. They believed that they had a special standing with God because of how they were born, because of their nationality, because of their lineage. He says this, Prove that you've repented by the way that you live. There must be visible fruits of repentance. Look at, look at verse 8. Bring there forth therefore the fruits worthy of repentance. Now look at verse 9. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit, what happens to it? It's hewn down and it's cast into the fire. The trees that do not produce good fruit will be chopped down. So in verse number 10 now, they ask him then, well, John, what are you supposed to do? Look at verse 10. The people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? Verse 11, he answered and said to them, notice this. This is one of the first times he's preaching. This is awesome for us because sometimes what we think being a good Christian and being religious and following Jesus, man, we miss it a lot in the American church, especially in our world. Look at this. He answered and said to them, 
He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And that he that hath meat, let him do likewise. What does he tell him to do here? Right off the bat, if you're going to have the fruit of repentance evidence in your life, man, you're going to have to give. Man, you're going to have to give to someone in need. Man, look at this next verse. Look, look, look at verse, verse number 12 and 13. Then came also the publicans to be baptized. And they said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed unto you. So he starts out with the crowd, and when they ask him, he says, you need to give. Now here, he's talking to the tax collectors, and the publicans, and these rulers. He says, what shall we do? And he says, stop ripping people off. Only accept the taxes that they actually owe. Because what they would do is they would take advantage of these peasants, if you will, and persecute them. They were, they were going around stealing from people. He says, stop stealing. Men, stop stealing from people. And then notice this next group. Look at verse 14. So you had the crowd. You got these tax collectors. Then notice this. You got soldiers. Look, look at verse 14. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. And then notice this. And be content with thy wages. So the soldiers come and they say, John, what are we supposed to do? What is the fruit of repentance in our life? What should be, what, what change do we need to make? And he says this, stop extorting. Don't make false accusations. And then that last phrase, be content. So think with me here. They're asking John this question. John says to the Jews, there must be visible fruits of repentance. He tells them this, your name, your label, your religion is not enough. The crowd comes and says, John, what are you supposed to do? And what did he tell them? Man, you give to the hungry. You give to the poor. If you have enough, you give. To the tax collector, what did he say? Do not take more than the government requires. To the soldiers, he says this. Stop being corrupt. Be condemned. Four different groups. Four different answers showing what the fruit of repentance looks like. All heart change from what was normal and natural in their culture and in their lives. Listen, for the Jew, it was normal and natural to be religious, to depend on a label, to do, to think that they had special knowledge and standing with God, to follow the Old Testament law plus about 376 other things that they had added. Sounds like some badness, I know. For the crowd, it was natural, listen, to want more. For the tax collector, it was normal for them to be stealing from people. For the soldier, it was normal and natural for them to take advantage of and to, to, to make false accusations, to extort, and to want more. John says this, true repentance in your life will, listen, it will change the fruit of your life. The fruit of true repentance for the Jew would be trusting Jesus instead of my label, or instead of my religion. The true fruit of repentance for the crowd would be caring about others instead of just caring about self. The fruit of repentance for the tax collector would be honest instead of being a thief. The fruit of repentance for the soldier would be working honestly instead of corruptly. So let me just ask you this. We are all naturally drawn towards certain sins of the flesh and certain things in our life. Can I just ask each one of us, man, no matter if we're the crowd, if we're the soldier, listen, if we're the tax collector, no matter where we fall, what are the fruits of repentance in our life? You see, when 
when we meet Jesus, man, there's some things that are going to change in our lives from the inside out. The Jew no longer just depended on religion. Man, they had to depend on that relationship. Listen, the crowd no longer could just depend on those things to want more. Man, there's some things that had, changed in the, that had to change their life. That's what John is saying. Now, this isn't talking about the root of salvation. It's talking about the fruit of salvation, the evidence of God working in our lives. And man, I don't know about you, but I want to have a fruitful life, don't you? Man, I don't want to live just as some religious person that Jesus isn't making. And there's a lot of those out there. Religious people that have high standards, that go through the motions, that know when to stand up and say amen, that know all the songs of Zion, that know everything about church, could, could you know, spin you around theologically, but there's literally been, never been a heart change in their life. The Jews were some of the most spiritual. Growing up in the synagogues, knowing the laws, practicing the laws, man, doing all these things. Look, and if you study the New Testament, Jesus, John the Baptist, guess who they ripped over and over and over? It wasn't the sinners. It wasn't the drunkards. wasn't the prostitutes. Is everybody? It was the religious. Man, I think sometimes that could be us. Paul spends a lot of time of it. Many times we can be religious and lost. But then he mentions the crowd. So I just want us to think this morning, where are we? What is the fruit of repentance in each one of our lives? You know, Jesus can take religious people and give them a relationship. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, I remember when I was caught up in that legalistic type mindset. Man, we're, man, it really, we begin to think that our standards and because we do these things makes us, if your religion makes you feel better than someone else, it is not the religion of the Bible and Jesus, okay? Man, some of us need to be delivered from that. Man, maybe it's this morning, we're like the greedy crowd. Man, God can take the greedy and make them caring and giving. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Man, God can take that tax-collecting thief and make them honest businessmen. The point is this, when God's at work in our lives, there's life change. Man, there's life change. Man, he can take that, he can, he can take that lying, stealing, cheating soldier, use them for God's glory. Aren't you thankful this morning that God specialized in taking broken people and doing something with their lives? Man, in the Bible, if you study it, I love this, there's no perfect people allowed. Listen, if you go to study the, these people in the Bible, sometimes we almost think they're like these fairy tale type people. You name them, I can, al I can almost always show you they had major shortcomings. Man, I think of my life so often, major shortcomings. I think many times we have those shortcomings so that God can remind us that we can't do this on our own. We need his help. Man, we're going to struggle if we don't count on him. Because the moment that we think we have it all together and we've got it, we've got to take heed lest we fall. Because there's only one way that we can move forward for God's glory, and that's by his grace through his power. So I'm going to talk to you about this. Three things from our text this morning. The fruit of repentance in our lives. The fruit of repentance in our lives. Repentance is simply defined as turning around. Turning from that old life and turning to that new life. Turning from my what I want and turning to who God is and what he wants. So if there's going to be repentance in my life truly, the first thing that it shows in each one of these is this. Man, true repentance, you know what it'll do? It'll change my attitude. It'll change my attitude attitude. Galatians chapter number 5. Let me read this to you. But the fruit of the Spirit, okay, we're talking about fruit of the Spirit. Evidence of the Spirit 
Think about this. And think how much so much how often we lack these. I know I do sometimes. As the church as a whole in Christendom across our country, how often we lack these. Then say the fruit of the spirit is being a jerk. Sometimes Christians can be the biggest jerks I know. Doesn't say fruit of the spirit is being a gossip. Doesn't say fruit of the spirit is looking down on everybody else. You know what it says? What's the first one? Fruit of the spirit is what? Love. <laughs> Evidence. God's spirit inside of you. First of all, is love. Look at this next one. It's joy. I mean, how I respond to the circumstances in this life. How about this peace? I mean, God working in my heart, His Spirit alive in me, that peace, long-suffering, long to suffer. I mean, this next one's hard. Gentleness. I mean, that's hard sometimes. As men, we don't like that word, gentleness. As Christians, and a lot of preachers I know, Jason, I remember the days where if we were called gentle, in many's minds, that meant weak. But aren't you thankful that we serve a gentle Savior? Our example. It's hard sometimes. Man, these fruits of the Spirit. Let me give you a couple other. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with affections of lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. Our attitude determines our outlook. And our outlook determines our destination and our behavior. The fruit of repentance are the fruit of the Spirit. And I just want to think, I want you to think about these this morning. The Holy Spirit produces this type of fruit of life. This is what the Holy Spirit filled life looks like. It's not meanness and anger. Sometimes I used to think that the greatest preachers in the world were the ones that were the maddest. Like the angriest. And I've preached in the, in the flesh before and been angry. I mean, God many times has convicted me and said that's not doesn't mean we don't stand for our convictions and we don't stand for truth and love. But so often as believers, we can just be mean people. Jesus wasn't mean to a lost and dying world. He was mean to Pharisees that thought they had it all together. Think of these. And I just want you to think about these in your life right now. Joy, love, peace, patience. Man, this is a hard one. How about just simply kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. Proverbs chapter 25 says, listen, a man that has no control over his own body or own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. Man, the Holy Spirit in our life, that fruit of repentance, man, the first one's going to be Him at work in our lives. It changes our attitude. I wrote this one down next. As you think about the story that John's dealing with these four groups of people, not only does it change our attitude, but it changes our focus and our priorities. Man, it changes the fo- our focus, and our priorities. When we repent and we turn to Jesus, man, there's some things in our life that change. I think of Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter number 6, and I refer a lot to this sermon because it's the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher ever preached. By the way, if you go study it, he didn't get up and yell at them. If you study the, if you study the Sermon on the Mount, it says he sat down and he taught them. That's a sermon for another day. But he teaches them. He shows them love and grace. This is, this is what he says, Matthew chapter 6. Therefore... Take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? So he says this, don't worry about all those things. Food, 
clothing. Now, if you're like me, about 7.30 this morning, I already started worrying about lunch. Somebody help me here. But what he's talking about is this. He's talking about, I mean, we, we, if we're not careful, we'll waste our entire lives on the material. Focused on it. Look at verse 32. I don't know if do we have these on the screen. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. He says, listen, those that don't know Jesus, that's what they're living for. That's what they seek. But listen, your heavenly Father, if you follow Jesus, your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And notice this verse. We quote this verse a lot of times without knowing those verses before. Then he switches gears here. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then notice his last phrase. And all these things. Well, what things is he referring to? He's referring back to verses 31 and 32. The food, the raiment, the provision, they shall be added unto you. When we are saved by the grace of God, when we follow Jesus, listen, not only does our attitude change, but it changes our focus and our priorities if we're truly following him. So the Jews, what were they focused on? Man, their religion. The crowd, what were they focused on? Getting more. Man, getting gain. The tax collectors were focused on stealing and, listen, and, and, and ill-gotten gain. The soldiers were focused on power and greed. Now listen, the repentant heart turns from religion to Jesus. Listen, the, the repentant heart turns from covetousness to contentment. The repentant heart turns from lies to simply being honest. The repentant heart turns from selfishness to selflessness. And I think where we miss it so much, especially in the American church, we think repentance is because I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't hang out with those who do. That's our mindset. If we don't go these places and we don't do these things and we aren't around lost people and we don't act like this and we don't listen to this, then we're automatically, for some reason, because of our works, we're accepted by God. Can I just tell you this morning, if that's what you're counting on, you're no different than the Pharisee. You're no different than the viper that he's calling out because there's only one thing this morning that makes you and me right, and it's not me and it's not you. It's the precious blood of the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So often I've spent my life trying to atone and trying to reach and try to pay for sin that God already paid. Somebody better help me preach this morning that he already paid for. And it leads to frustration. It leads to no peace. It leads to no joy. It leads to no help. It leads to religion and an emptiness this morning. Man, when we truly follow Jesus, our priorities will truly change from the inside out. And we don't do these things to be accepted by God. Man, we do right because we're already accepted by him. Man, it changes, listen, it changes our attitude, changes our focus and our priorities. Then thirdly, I wrote this down, it goes along with it, it changes what we live for. It changes what we live for. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we could all quote it, and I love it. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. For the Jew living for self-righteousness, condemning others, looking down on the Gentile, and it turns them, listen, it turns them, it changes them into a loving, gracious, caring, living for Jesus, realizing that Jesus is enough. Think about Paul. Remember who Paul was before he got saved? 
Listen, he was a persecutor. He was the Judaizers of the Jews. Listen, he was as high politically as you could get. He was one of the most educated. Listen, in the world's mind, in the Jewish mind, he had risen as high as you're going to rise. But there was something there that was still missing. There was something that was still wrong. There was something that wasn't right. And he was headed around that, that Damascus Road one day. By the way, he wasn't looking for God. But aren't you thankful when we weren't looking for God that God was, oh my goodness, God was looking for us? God came to Paul he saved him right there on that road to Damascus. And Paul started down that road a terrorist. And he left, that, he left that road a preacher. A man that was redeemed. A man whose life had been changed. And as Paul testifies towards the end of his life, he says, I was, listen, he says this, I was a Judaizer of the Judaizers. I was of the third, I, I was trained, uh, you know, by Gamil. And man, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he says, all of that I count by dung. That's what he said. He said, all those things. In the world's mind, that we think matters, it's trash. The degrees, Paul said, those degrees that I had, they're trash. The finances that I've, listen, the finances that I've been able to obtain, man, they're trash. He, he learned in his life, and Matt, you can help me, we're done this morning. He learned in his life that all those things that we live for so often at the end of the day, can I just tell you they're not going to bring peace. They're not going to bring contentment. They're not going to bring joy. Man, I used to think if I just had a little more money, I'd be a little happier. I, guess what? I got a little more money, and guess what I wanted? A little bit more. Man, those things won't bring joy. Man, now, I'm thankful for the blessings of God, and I'm not here to tear that down. Man, thank God. If He's blessed you, and if He's blessed me, we praise His holy name for that this morning. But the material will not be blessing. Listen, it changes what we live for. It takes the crowd, listen, living for self, wanting more, listen, following Jesus. Listen, it'll, 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 it'll help us to realize that that stuff ain't enough. But Jesus is. It takes the tax collector cheating the peasants out of their hard-earned wages to forsaking all, following Jesus, realizing that Jesus is enough. It takes the prideful soldier extorting, stealing, murdering, and plundering to a place of humility, realizing that when we repent, Jesus is enough this morning. For the religious, the only place of peace is the heart of repentance from my religious pride. Maybe that's you this morning. I've been there before where I thought because of the things I did, because of who I was, listen, that listen, that I that I was maybe better than someone else. And I just tell you, I've learned this my own way. God has a funny way of humbling us. He's a funny way of reminding us we ain't all that we think we is sometimes. Man, I wonder how many of us this morning need to just humble ourselves. Man, thinking that we're better than someone else because of our standards, because of our religion, because of who we are. Let me just remind you, it's only by God's grace this morning you and I weren't born in Iraq somewhere. Hey, it's only by God's grace this morning that you and I weren't born in some ghetto. Is everybody tracking with me this morning? Sometimes we begin to think it's about us. It's not about us this morning. It's about His grace and His love and His mercy and His sovereignty in my life and in your life. Maybe this morning you're like those tax collectors cheating the peasants out of their hard-earned wages. Can I just tell you this? The only place of peace this morning is honest with myself and with God. Maybe you're like the crowd. and the Listen, I just want to remind you that the only place of peace is the heart of contentment. 
with what God has blessed you with. Maybe for that soldier, the only place, listen, of contentment and place of rightness and place of peace is a place of humility, realizing that the world has nothing to offer. And just simply this, if I could get this phrase in your head this morning, Jesus is enough in your life. Listen, He he can fulfill that thing that you need fulfilled this morning. The fruit of repentance is this. It's the evidence of a changed life. Trusting Jesus that He's enough this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's stand to our feet. Matt's going to sing. There'll be some counselors down here if you need prayer after the service that would love to pray with you. If you have questions, if you've never trusted Christ, if you don't follow Jesus, we'd love to take a Bible and not tell you what some man says, but tell you what God says this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you're that Pharisee and you need to humble yourself. You need to change your attitude. Maybe you've been in church for a long time and you need to change your focus and your priorities or change what we live for. That is the fruit of repentance is evidence of a changed life. Matt's going to sing this morning.